Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Tim. Hey, you know, you, you solved the box and, and now I'm here. <laughs> what a booby prize. Uh, <laughs> this is a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror films every week. We get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. It's really that simple. And we are banking episodes way in advance. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> Go We're kind of like... Uh, like Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh God! <laughs> oh, no! 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 Yeah, no, we, no! No! We come together. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was in the trailer. <laughs> We're back in episodes in advance. So while it's actually November twenty twenty right now, this episode I don't believe will be up till early May. So hopefully the future in twenty twenty one is brighter. Uh, yeah. Thank. Yes, have a, have a happy new year, kind of. Although it's too late for that at this point, anyway. But hey, uh, does the uh, Snyder Cut come out in twenty twenty one? When does I, that come out? I think yeah, I think it's twenty twenty one. That's what they said. Okay, cool. I mean, they just said twenty twenty one. Though I mean, it could be December thirty first, twenty twenty one. For all we know. Oh, uh, well, hopefully not. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Time's been facetious right now, just in case anyone thinks he's being serious. I know he's game. Uh, so, hey, I heard they added four more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> For $70 million, four more minutes. Can't wait. Well, I mean, I believe a lot of that went to new effects and post-production mm-hmm. for all the other footage that was shot already but wasn't used <laughs> previously. I, like, I'm not I'm even trying to defend anything. I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just... I, I'm just... Like, yeah, I, I, I hate the movie, okay? I hate the movie too. That's not... <laughs> Why are we talking about it? Tim, do you realize how, how old this news is by the time this episode goes out? <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League 2 might be out by the time this episode goes out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so, anyway. Would you rather speak about today's movie? <laughs> uh, where's my Larry David, uh, D- D- Larry David gif of him uh, <laughs> struggling with the, the, the awful choices? Um, so yes, here we're here today to talk about Hellraiser Deader, which is the seventh Hellraiser film, which pushes about halfway through the franchise. <laughs> um, and this came out in 2005, uh, not to be confused with the next one, which also came out in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> they were pumping these things out. And I was confused because on my, um, uh, DVD, I have the the six film dvd hellraiser collection mm. um where it's absolutely like no special features or anything they just throw like uh three through seven or eight or whatever onto uh two discs but uh on the menu they do have um this one last <laughs> so it's like really Hellseeker. <laughs> yeah it's hellseeker hell world and then deader and i'm like Wait, I think we're doing deader, but then why? This is out of order. I don't. Yeah, I mean, every time you do a Hellraiser movie, I just say mm-hmm. Hellraiser, you know, six, seven, eight, and I have to actually look up on Wikipedia before you know before I go mm-hmm. to find the movie which one it is I'm actually doing because I, I I never know. It doesn't help that the titles are so similar as well. Hellseeker, yeah. Hellworld. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so obviously we've been working through this franchise for the past. You know, yeah, by the time this goes out, two years, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're making good time on it that we're number seven. Um, yeah, I, I mean, how do I preface this one? I, it's, it's about a, a cult of people called deaders 
that a journalist, an American journalist who's living in London, an American journalist in London, uh, who, who is sent to Budapest to investigate mm-hmm. this mysterious cult of debtors, which is worth investigating because they have a, they've sent in a videotape of seemingly bringing someone back from the dead, mm-hmm. which makes them less dead, not deader, but that's, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's the premise and she goes and investigates and of mm. course creepy things happen and if you're lucky pinhead may show up at some point uh <laughs> because of course he was added in after the original script was written i mean uh, already sounds like hellraiser to me <laughs> well I mean, one of the things we've talked about tim as we've went mm-hmm. through these movies particularly from the fourth one onwards is mm-hmm. exactly what pinhead's goals and motivations are <laughs> and what is it he actually does because it seems to mm-hmm. change every single movie and has done mm. since the first say three i mean three i think mm-hmm. changed that a little bit but three was supposed to kind of like be saying oh things are changing so whatever mm-hmm. but ever since then he's, he's just had a completely different goal at every movie that I, I, yeah baffles me and, and and not just pinhead necessarily but like the box <laughs> as well like mm-hmm. it seems like it's always used like for something different in this movie and like to the point where you know i i was kind of like you still have to solve the box right because i mean i don't want to get too spoilery but like basically someone just kind of throws it and <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah someone throws it and it's like thor just threw a mjolnir in the room and yeah electricity starts firing from everywhere yeah I, 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 trying to follow the logic or the rules or the continuity mm. dare i say of these movies <laughs> is is baffling especially since in this movie as a character who is just casually referenced at one point of being mm-hmm. the descendant of the person who made the box <clears throat> and i'm like mm-hmm. wait a minute we already had a whole movie about a descendant of the yeah. person who made the box <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean is it supposed uh, would... to that character okay I, I forget these movies because they're so forgettable right <laughs> but did right. the character in that movie have a kid who survived by the end is this supposed to be that kid growing up <laughs> Is, is that what's going on here? Um, yeah, I mean, so the the one that really gets into the backstory was uh, number four with the one with Adam Scott. And uh, it starts in France and ends in space, as all good movies do. Um, and yeah, I, I do think the the middle segment of that one, yeah, was all about like the modern day mm-hmm. person. And yeah, I, I believe, uh, yeah, a big portion of it was about, you know, his wife and kid and um while he was doing all the crazy architecture, I think they were kind of like running around <laughs> from Cenobites and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I guess that kid probably would have survived. Um, <laughs> I don't know uh, if anyone who wrote the movie thought too hard about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it tells you a lot that we can't even <laughs> struggle to remember some of these key details from previous movies because, again, they are so nonsensical. Mm. And bland, and it's hard to remember these things. Um, so one of my my bigger problems, I mean, obviously, I mean, usually, I, okay, Tim, what did you think of Hellraiser Dead or before we get into it? <laughs> uh, no, it's not good uh, at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, that's what you kind of these these later sequels are known for is that you know they're obviously not Hellraiser movies and they just get pinhead shoved in them. Uh, and I feel like we see you know more and more examples of this like. Uh, I think this might be the most outrageous one um, to date. Because, um, I, I mean, at least, like, the last one was trying to, <clears throat> you know, like, fit in some continuity stuff and bring back characters and stuff. Like, this just feels really, really like an afterthought. Um, 
there's some uh horrible cgi uh like laughably bad Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah and the you know i think the big thing you're gonna talk about because you're talking about it online but this is just super super boring like it's it is is sleep inducing it is unbelievable how boring it is yeah like i like at least maybe some of the other ones well not so much these later sequels but i think like the last one at least every now and again i was kind of chuckling at some of the stupidity and how dumb some of the stuff was and how like every woman was trying to sleep with like the main character and stuff like at least there's funny stuff like that this was just really dull other than like you know the few kind of hellraiser stuff and like bad cgi stuff but uh, and it's only like 89 minutes, you know, it's not like it's like, you know, two hours, like, oh man, it's like, no, yeah. it's like a short movie, but yeah. It doesn't feel short. <laughs> it doesn't no. feel short when you're watching it no. at all. There's, there's, yeah, there's maybe 10, 15 minutes of actual story <laughs> that's stretched out mm-hmm. to cover that runtime. Uh, there's a lot of padding, a lot of plotting. Uh, one of the big things that I have complained about over the last few of these movies, and something that I hate in movies in general, but these Hellraiser movies, these later ones, are really notorious for it. And this one is no different, is how eventually the script stops caring about making any kind of sense. And one of yeah. the tropes that's really bugged me in the last couple, and it's prevalent in this one as well, is mm. as it goes on, there's several scenes that end as if the previous scene was a nightmare where someone wakes up, mm. and but they still kind of happened. Yeah. And, but then it happens again, and it keeps happening, and... You're never mm. really quite sure what the, if the previous scenes were actually like just a hallucination, or if they were actually you know going on, or mm-hmm. what, what's going. And it just it gets to a point where it is it's not like a, a well orchestrated psychological thing where it wants you to be play with your mind and it's trying to challenge you to question what's real and what's isn't. This mm-hmm. is just like lazy ass screenwriting where yeah. <laughs> we don't have to justify why we're now in this location with this this mm-hmm. thing happening. We're just there now and just deal with it. And it mm. makes no sense, and it's just ex- extremely frustrating to watch. And it makes it really hard mm. to fault, like, follow the the, the through line of the movie as well. It's hard mm. to kind of like establish a timeline. And that's a it's a terrible combination to have with a movie that's really boring because you're constantly questioning yourself, like, okay, did I just miss something because like this movie sucks and like my <laughs> mind is wandering, or is it because yeah, it's actually bad and not really like doing the job of guiding you know the viewer through a sensical plot yeah uh you mentioned the last couple of movies were somewhat notorious for having these sort of gruff main dudes who for ev- for some reason every woman in the vicinity wants to sleep with yeah uh, this movie <laughs> shakes that up a little bit in the sense mm-hmm. that we have a a, a female lead uh which mm-hmm. is nice i suppose um uh carrie Wooder, Wooder, who plays the role um I vaguely recognize her. It turns out she was the sheriff in Eight Legged Freaks. That's what I think I know. Her from. Okay. <laughs> uh, Unfor- a fun movie. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm not going to put put it all on her. I'm sure the direction mm-hmm. wasn't great, but mm-hmm. the performance, like a lot of the performances, admittedly, but she has to like carry the movie. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think she really does. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of really bad acting moments in this, uh, coming mm-hmm. from her specifically, especially when she has to act emotional or say something that's supposed to sound cool. It comes mm-hmm. off as really tacky and really kind of like, see, I'm a badass kind yeah. of thing. And it doesn't it doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the good news because you would think <laughs> given the uh the previous couple of movies of like constantly shoving sex into the main character you'd be maybe <laughs> you'd be forgiven for assuming that they're going to get really really bad with this one given that we've got a female lead that maybe they'll you know they'll, oh she'll end up having sex like a hundred times or something because the <laughs> the filmmakers want to have a ton ton of sex scenes where she gets a top off yeah. um that doesn't quite happen. There is some nudity in this, don't get me wrong. In fact, it actually has full frontal male nudity, which is a first for the series, <laughs> I think. Uh, I, I don't remember any dick from previous movies, but um, <laughs> but it, it treats it differently where she just kind of seems to constantly be annoyed or rolls her eyes at any nudity that's around her, uh, <laughs> which, I don't know. Uh, is that in of itself, like the screenwriter going, oh, this is, this is how women react to nudity. They, they, they don't like it. <laughs> It's, it's just annoying to them, so I'll just write that in the script. I don't know. I, sure. <laughs> uh, but, it, it, yeah, it's... Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, her character is a blank slate. Uh, her only yeah. characteristic is that she's constantly smoking. That's like it. that's mm-hmm. all she has uh, in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. Um, she's supposed to be this, you know, down and dirty reporter. She's introduced by... Because she's infiltrated a crack den. <laughs> yeah. And we never really get to hear what the expose she was doing or writing was about mm-hmm. or what what it's exposing. But Yeah. <laughs> she, she just wakes up in a crack den and goes to the office and it's like, okay. <laughs> Alright. Perhaps. Uh I mean Yeah, it, it's very um Yeah, like I I mean also I yeah, like you said, I don't want to necessarily necessarily say that like um yeah that you know actor is bad or anything but yeah the the character is just kind of boring uh there's not really much to it. it feels very shallow it's like yeah very surface level of like oh yeah here's like you know one of those like you know uh i'm gonna do whatever i can to get the story kind of reporter like i don't know I guess maybe like a, you know, like they want like a Lois Lane or something, but like there's no, you know, character to where it's just like, uh, it, it feels very bland. And then also it, it seems like if these are the kind of stories that she should be do that she's doing that like, I don't know, it, it seems like she would be at a much bigger organization or like more famous or anything but i don't know like when you see like the offices and stuff it just feels like so small and tiny like i don't know it, it doesn't feel like they're a big reputable news source or anything i i wonder if that's more to do with the budget of the movie than it's sure, to do with what, yeah. the, the feeling Most they're likely. going for yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I, you know this is like a really lazy way to like describe something but it just there's something so direct to video about the whole thing mm. like everything about it the type of plot that it's got the the level of characters that it has the way it just sort of like stretches out time uh that mm. awful kind of like desaturated mid-2000 look that it's got going yeah. everything about it just feels so <laughs> unpleasant <laughs> and not like a horror movie where it's like, oh this is disgusting and cool or, or like that. it's just unpleasant yeah, yeah. there's just nothing appealing about the whole thing yeah. Uh, and it's because you know for the first like 10 15 minutes you know i wasn't completely out of it. it was bad but i was kind of okay how what what flavor of bad is it going to be this time and you're mm. kind of taking in like the introduction to the character <laughs> you're taking into you know some other stuff but by the time you get about half hour into this you're just begging for it to end you're like no like you, <laughs> this movie has shown me everything it has to offer pretty much 
yeah. the one cool death that might have been nice is kind of ruined by like some terrible cg although that said there is one really funny kind of death moment that i'll get to in spoilers but okay. uh, <laughs> that did make me genuinely laugh uh, i want to talk a little bit about the direction for the sure. most part it's really just kind of bland but there is moments and scenes where i think the director rick Bota. I feel like he really wanted to prove that he was a director, <laughs> so he really over-directs some of the sequences. And the one that really stuck out to me, so this videotape sent into the uh, the newspaper office and the editor's shown it to our, our main character, whose name I think was Amy? Yeah, sure. Amy. Uh, <laughs> and she's sort of sitting watching it, and for some reason... So so typically in a, a scene like this, and there's, there's not one correct way of doing it, there's a lot of different ways and there's, you know, things, but... Typically, a scene like this, and you're you're showing someone this 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 footage that is getting kind of weird and intriguing, and ultimately really kind of dark, and something that's supposed to inspire their entire interest in the the premise of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. You would maybe have the camera slowly tracking in as they're getting more interested or something like that. You know, have it be slow and kind of like like it is this sort of like just gradual interest. Or maybe you would do a kind of similar thing where you're just watching over her shoulder at the footage the whole time and kind of imagining what her reaction is to make us think about it. For some reason, this has lots of like quick shots of... There's literally a snap zoom into her face like halfway through her watching the video. And then Mm -hmm. repeatedly, like three or four times, there's this intense close-up that's just panning from like left to right Mm -hmm. going past her eyes. And it's like... The movie's been on for like six minutes. You have not mm-hmm. earned this level of intensity. She, she doesn't <laughs> care about this that much yet. Like, this is mm-hmm. too much, too quick. You, you, you're going overboard here. Slow down, director, right? Take some Valium. Mm-hmm. You know, pace out your edits. Pace out your... I don't know. It's, it's, I, don't, uh, I get the impression this was a guy who did some music videos. I, don't, I didn't check that, but that's my, sure. that my guess. I'm going, to, I'm going to click at his name while you give whatever uh, insightful point I'm sure you're about to drop. You know, the thing that actually is kind of a shame about this, um, and it might sound a little crazy to say, but, like, Mm. I think, you know, there are some good ideas here. Like, I think uh, the idea of a cult, like, in the Hellraiser universe, uh, like, actually, Mm. you know, it seems like it could be pretty cool, but, like, all this weird debtor stuff and, like, bringing people back to life, like, that's... I don't know why that's there. Like, just get rid of that. Just make it like a cult that worships Pinhead. You know that. Sure. You know, sacrifices people to the box. Like, it seems like such an easier, um, you know, concept to kind of insert into the universe. That, you know, I- I'm not saying with you know this creative team and stuff. Like, it's not like if they were doing it that it would still be a, you know, necessarily like a good movie. But I think you know you have some ideas ideas there that could have made it a lot better that i don't know it's just weird that this is the you know the ultimate goal that you like ended up with does that there is actually one idea that i i do think is quite good i can't really talk about it till spoilers there is an idea to do with the cult that i kind of like it's i mean the movie does nothing with it and it just completely abandons it and the execution is completely flawed (laughs) but there is one idea like but i'll get to that later Uh, did you know that the writer of this movie uh Uh-oh. is also the writer of the 13 ghost remake really yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> that's the level of quality we're working here with people <laughs> i think that movie is at least a, a lot more entertaining like i would much rather take a you know that movie over this one 
I find that one to be really like hollow, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's better than this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's let's not pretend otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, it's just baffling. I, I think we're probably about ready to start mm-hmm. getting into the, the sure. details and the spoilers. <laughs> I, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers at the time of recording. So thank you very much mm-hmm. to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are Patreon producers for the month, uh, at the time of recording, that is, uh, which means they are $20 or more patrons. But you can support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month, and that $1 will get you access to the back catalogue of bonus episodes, uh, which are on pause just now, but by the time this goes up, should be back soonish. Um, and you get access to those, $5 tier, you get access to voting once that's back. Uh, but you do still get early access to all the episodes right now, even with the the you know the, 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 the breaking recording with Tim on paternity leave. In fact, mm-hmm. Tim will be off with a uh, well. There'll be a baby. I was going. To, I was going to try and <laughs> roughly guess the age at this point, but I won't do it. I'll uh, just say there's a baby. The baby is there. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I left myself with no segue there. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself into a corner, and no one puts Tim's baby in the corner. Looks okay. I'll stop. There uh, you go. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so go over to Patreon. If you can't do that, don't worry, though. You can support us uh, with, with no monies. You can simply hit the like button on YouTube. It helps mm-hmm. us out a lot because it uh, encourages the YouTube algorithm to share us out and recommend us to more people. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can show your support in a number of different ways. Also, commenting, subscribing, tweeting us out, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Uh, Doing errands for us. Sure. Yeah, you can do some errands <laughs> for us. Yeah, it's a way to support us. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Do some chores. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh Tim will accept anyone who can run his house and do his uh do his laundry if anyone wants to volunteer. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to trim my bush, please. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we got a bush outside our house, and sometimes uh, it needs trimming. Sure, sure, yes, yes. <laughs> sure. That was my next question. Do you actually have a physical bush outside the house? <laughs> Do you have a hedge? <laughs> Hedges is common a thing in your neck of the woods. Uh, yeah. I mean, we you know, uh, during the the summer, you know, we uh, trim them into animal shapes. Uh, so we got two <laughs> big lions uh, outside our door. Um, <clears throat> uh, some places it, it is. It's not. I don't know. Um, you know, it depends on the area, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The city-ish more areas. Well, of course. Have them. I, I just, uh, you know, I associate, you know, lots of mm. houses having the, the hedges instead of the fence mm-hmm. uh, here. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, not everywhere, but uh, I just, you know, I was just curious if you had a hedge or a fence. That's all. Yeah, well, uh, you know, our, our backyard's all fenced in. Um, mm. The uh, the front yard, we don't have anything. We keep thinking about putting stuff in. Um, but yeah, nothing yet. I think some uh, automated turrets with motion sensing uh, might be a sure. good yeah. pick from aliens. <laughs> <Not>. yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, really? <laughs> move spoilers then, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, full spoilers for Hellraiser Dead, as if you give a shit uh, from this point <laughs> on. <laughs> so, yeah, our main character wakes up in a crack den, goes and sees the tape, and he's like, yeah, I'll go to Budapest. <laughs> I actually, so, I, you know, I referred to this, I referred to the actor, uh, in mm-hmm. this uh, scene, the, the editor, just mm-hmm. ignoring the accent, I was getting kind of like a discount William Hart cross with maybe, okay. I don't know, like 
So, someone in chat when I was watching this uh, on stream referred to the lead as a uh, discount Ashley Judd, and I'm like, oh, I can see, I can see that. Yeah, there's yeah. a bit of an Ashley Judd thing going on. Um, but she goes to the uh, goes to Budapest, and again, for some reason, this snap do- documentary style zoom as she's walking through the train station, mm-hmm. which I thought was weird, but <coughs> whatever, whatever. Or was this actually filmed in Budapest? It was because uh, one of the bits of trivia. As someone pointed out, because uh, as soon as she got there, I was like, "Oh, this looks." I mean, I don't know what exactly what Budapest looks like necessarily in terms of like a, like a mm-hmm. typical street, but mm-hmm. I assumed immediately that okay, so they got to film in Budapest cheaply, and that's why the movie goes yeah. to Budapest. Because I they had like a coupon or something. Yeah, because I'm going to assume that the location was either different or was left blank. Because oh, it goes to some European mm-hmm. city, and Budapest mm-hmm. was the cheap one. <laughs> like they got like, some yeah. sort of like tax exemption or something for for mm-hmm. shooting there. Uh, but it was either uh yeah Budapest or Vatican City, and then Budapest ended up being cheaper. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'd imagine so. <laughs> yes, other movies go to Vatican City. We'll get to that. <laughs> Actually, by the time this goes out, the other review that I'm alluding to has already went up a while ago. So uh, just uh, go check out our Twilight New Moon discussion for some Vatican City gossip. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, part of the trivia was that there was like I don't know if it was tension per se, but there was like mm-hmm. lots of uh, <coughs> difficulties communicating. The uh, local Romanian crew uh, mm-hmm. basically had trouble with like the American actors and the like, crew. They couldn't like communicate, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of difficulties on set, a lot of production issues as mm-hmm. a result. So yes, they shot in Budapest. <laughs> A lot of uh, cloaked people just wandering onto the set saying, what are you buying? <laughs> <laughs> was, was he uh, from that neck of the woods? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it seems like a... I don't know if they, they say the exact name of the island or yeah. village or whatever, but it's vaguely like Eastern European, I, I assume. Sure, sure. Yeah. What are you buying, stranger? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very English accent, though, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she goes to Budapest. Uh, the first thing she does is she goes to the the like the address where the tape came from, and she has to bribe her way in. She's a good in. reporter. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, strong investigative skills. She has to bribe her way into the, the like the apartment that the address actually is, and we get that sequence where there's like a dead woman who's sort of like like strangled. She's it's not quite hung herself but she's got like a mm-hmm. like a wire around her neck and she's sitting in the toilet seat because it's really classy of course like <laughs> she's sitting there in her underwear in the toilet seat um just kind of dead but she's holding the cube she's holding the lament configuration so there's a lot of like our, our main character kind of like you know reaching in to grab things and like the dead person comes to life for a second and she freaks out and she ends up having to run away uh mm-hmm. it's all very I don't know. Really, really drawn out. Like, yeah, it's very dull. But basically, you know, there's this cult, there's this leader of the cult, the Deaders, and this, <laughs> it's this, such a stupid name. I, I really know. hate it. <laughs> this woman was like one of their members because because we didn't really mention what the cult. Other than bringing someone back to life, they essentially get you to a point <laughs> where you commit suicide, and then their leader, <laughs> this dude, will sort of bring you back uh, mm-hmm. by kind of just I don't know, kissing you. Or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's, that's basically it. Uh, which actually leads to so, uh, the, 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 the timeline of events at this point is really hard to 
remember because the movie mm-hmm. just kind of goes from scene to scene without much rhyme or reason. But mm-hmm. she has like an hallucination at one point where chains come out of the cube and like grab onto your face and stuff. And so it's just, bad. It, yeah, it looks really rough. But it's just kind of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the funniest scene that I want to talk about is there's a scene where she's into the subway and mm-hmm. she kind of either sees or hallucinates the leader of this cult standing. He's, mm-hmm. he's got kind of, it's not quite a trench coat. It's not that long, but it's like a longer coat. And mm-hmm. he's got this kind of lame 2000s hair. He's got these like goofy earrings and and he's trying to be like all mysterious and, you know, I'm a mysterious. I, he, it's funny. I, mean, I mentioned Twilight a minute ago, but it really does feel like he's going for the silent vampire. That's really what he feels like his sure. mood is. He, he's not that. He's not a vampire, but that's kind of the mood yeah. that he's going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a scene where he jumps in front of the subway car, mm-hmm. right? He jumps in front of the train. And this made me laugh so much. Not because of the jump itself, but I don't know if you noticed this, but when he jumps in front of the subway car, there's a, a second where he jumps up and as it hits him, you can kind of see like a couple of legs kind of like just like come up from the front of the <laughs> subway and it made it feel really silly and ragdoll-esque and it really yeah. made me laugh and it, it's probably the second best moment in the movie best moments coming up yeah. later uh but <laughs> give me a I have to, yeah i have to go back in and rewatch. i don't think i, I noticed that specifically but yeah. okay everyone place your bets does tim actually go back and put in the dvd and get to the scene <laughs> to actually check it i don't think he will depends on how uh how how close we do the next one <laughs> so I, I do got like i mean not like not that i'm excited to keep going with these movies but it's like uh, all right i've had this like dvd collection forever and we got one more to go and I mean, I, I don't know if this will entice you, but I think the next one is, like, the video game one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just think, Tim, this is the last uh, pre-baby Hellraiser. Oh, my God. It'll be a whole new world. <laughs> I know. When we do the video game one, it'll be post-baby Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if your perspective will have completely changed, don't you? <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, you know, I'll start looking at... Uh, <laughs> at, at, at Pinhead, the way a father <laughs> looks at a child. <laughs> I I don't know if hold if holding and caressing Pinhead is good for your uh, your chest. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> you get a lot of pins in your pins in your uh, nipples there. Uh, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, if Disney Plus can ever get uh, you know their hands on the Hellraiser franchise, uh, Baby Pinhead, I think, is like a would be a great <laughs> breakout character. <laughs> I'm just imagining a baby going, the box, you yeah. opened it, we came. We need changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not we need chains, it's we need changed, yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's some investigative stuff here. She ends up like running around some tunnels at some point and gets like stuck in between two walls. <laughs> And all of a sudden, there's, like, I, a druid with a knife behind her who tries to stab yeah. her. Uh, yeah, so not very... I, I will give this a little credit. I did think this would have been a cool scene, like, by a better director. Like, oh, I, okay. I, I did, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I guess the scene, like, wasn't horrible. Like, I was feeling, like, a little claustrophobic. But, like, I, I did like the idea of, like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like, you're in this very, very tight space, and there's someone, like, right behind you trying to get at you, and you... 
you know, it, you can, can't move very fast. Like, oh, yeah, that's a cool idea. Uh, again, I don't necessarily think, you know, it was handled super well in this movie, but I, I at least give it credit being yeah. like, okay, I kind of like where this is going. That could be a good scene if it had a better director, a better script, yeah. a better actor, <laughs> better cinematographer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, and then is, is, is this around the time too where there's a bunch of like cgi cockroaches or something yeah it's when she's like squeezing through the wall there's like a bunch of cg yep. cockroaches which look they look bad <laughs> like they yep. look terrible uh pro- it may actually be the worst effect in the movie there's some other dodgy mm-hmm. cg but that was the one that really stuck out is looking especially yeah. rough uh yeah so there's a scene after this where she's fine at first, but she wakes up in bed and she screams. And it's, it's soon after this because it's kind of related to being stabbed. Because she And this is, this is my favorite scene in the movie. Because she runs into the bathroom and she doesn't even feel any pain. She just notices after a while that there's a lot of blood on the floor. And she realizes she's got a knife sticking in her back. <laughs> as you do. And what I love about this scene is the way she gets the knife out, I, I found to be truly inspired. She, you know, she can't reach it because it's right in the middle of her back. So she, she basically puts the knife. She puts, you know, she backs up against the uh, the cupboard, opens the cupboard, and shuts the cupboard door on the knife, and then just sort of like holds that in place as she like pulls herself forward. Um, I, you know what? I, I was amused. I was amused by this, this, this. Uh, because it it wasn't like completely like it's it's over the top and silly, but it wasn't, and it's taking itself far too seriously. But honestly, like, if I was on my own in a bathroom mm. and there was a knife in my back and I couldn't get it out with my hands, I'm like, yeah, this is not the worst method. <laughs> sure. Now, admittedly, mm. maybe you should leave it in and let the hospital uh, right. <laughs> take it out. But yes. still. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, this is a big thing in the movie. The whole, uh, the the theme of the knife <laughs> keeps coming back mm-hmm. again and yes. again. Uh yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> themes, yes, this movie has themes. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I don't know if it's is it around this time or maybe a little later that she starts having those flashbacks, I guess, of her there's that's her dad. There's some very quick stuff, you don't really get the context for it until much later, mm-hmm. but there's some very quick flashes of him like walking towards her and stuff quite early. Yeah, okay. Uh, this leads to maybe the weirdest section of the movie where <coughs> her tactic here. Mm. is to put a towel that's folded on her back and duct tape it to herself which is probably the worst makeshift sort of bandage Mm. i have ever seen in my life and she's literally walking around the city with this humpback because she's got this like (laughs) folded up towel like in the back of her jacket and she's just pouring blood the entire way there's Mm. an entire sequence here when she goes to the subway where she drips so much blood that she has to like knock over a newspaper stand just to hide the blood from a, like, a police officer who's walking by. Yeah. It's, it's it's really ridiculous. In fact, the reason why she's going to the subway is she's trying to get to the the subway uh, sex Doctor. cult club. Because <laughs> um, this was a scene we didn't mention from earlier is that she's given a piece of intel from like the first place she goes mm. about this uh, secret club. But it's not that mm. secret. It's, it's Basically, she goes to the subway <laughs> and... The subway, the, the car door opens and there's a bouncer <laughs> on the subway. There's a bouncer and it's treated like she's trying to get into a club. And then when she's into the club, this is where all the nudity is. There's tons of topless people. It just, like, while she's talking to the main sleazy guy, it just cuts randomly to shots of these two women having sex. 
there's a guy walking around naked with his dong flapping around. <laughs> like, the whole thing is just like, here's our nudity quota. Here, yeah. have it. Um, mm. But she's going back there. She wants more intel. So that's where she's trying to go at this point in the movie. But she's just dripping blood everywhere. Uh, but again, there's no rules in this movie because once she goes in there and she talks to the main guy for a bit, who, by the way, is feeling someone's ass by having them stand behind them. She's, he's kind of doing it from behind. It's, kinda, it's, a weird, it's a weird position. But mm. everyone just kind of turns out to be dead. Like, everyone turns into a corpse when she's in there. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that's basically it. <laughs> in fact, this is the first time we see a Cenobite. It's not the first mm-hmm. time we see Pinhead. Pinhead does does brief, briefly pop up. I was leaving Pinhead stuff till later, but mm-hmm. there is a Cenobite in this scene. Like, the one of the, probably the only new distinct Cenobite in the movie. Is this one that's got like a sewn face and is like sewn yeah. the skin of these corpses on the train? Mm-hmm. How, well, how does this fun. place relate to Pinhead or the Cenobites? You know, how does this factor into the plot in any really shape, shape or form? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like Hellraiser. I, mm, I don't know. The I, I, it did remind me of uh, another uh, Clive Barker um, story slash movie, uh, Midnight Meat Train. Um, oh yeah! But... Oh yeah! <laughs> Other than that, though, <laughs> I did not like that movie when I saw it. Uh, you know, I, I, it has its defenders. Um, I, I, I don't well, love yeah, it. So does OJ. So you know. <laughs> okay. True. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that's one I always want to go back to because yeah, I don't. Um, I, I didn't really remember liking it. I didn't hate it, but um. I always am curious if there's, I don't know, more to it. <laughs> if maybe if I like it another go around, I uh, I would not put money on it, <laughs> Timothy. I would not put money on it. <laughs> so, yeah, she ends up in a mental hospital <laughs> at some point around. I, I, mean, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, she actually gets arrested <laughs> earlier on because she makes a commotion when she thinks she saw someone kill kill themselves in the subway, mm-hmm. and her editor has to fly to budapest to mm-hmm. you know to to like bail her out and he doesn't even seem mildly annoyed in fact this was the scene in the movie where mm-hmm. i was convinced that he was actually evil and working for pinhead or working for the cult sure. and his whole point is to lure people in because he felt so calm about everything it was weird it was yeah and the movie doesn't really like make a big show about it like you think there would be something where like he would be getting a call and you know and it'd be like all right i'll be on the next plane out there but the way that they just very casually have him like showing up there like the next day or whatever, like it made me just think like, oh wait, are they still over there or, or did he go with her originally or something? Like, yeah, it's just very like not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like it doesn't feel like it's a different country from where you know. It doesn't. Yeah. It feels like he just like had to drive ten minutes to get to the police station. It doesn't feel like exactly. he had to fly to another country to get there. Yeah. The, yeah. It all feels very... Again, would you believe it? The scriptwriter just does things without <laughs> caring about the logics or, or why or how or anything. Who knows? Yeah. So she's in a mental hospital, and it's like every generic mental hospital you've ever seen in a movie. You know, she walks into this main area, and there's just, like, you know, people, like, twitching, and the you've got the, <laughs> the white and black checkerboard floor and all the white walls. Although... At least most movies don't have kids mixed in with adults in these scenes. Like, yeah, what hospital? <laughs> what hospital? Especially at a hospital where people, you know, might act out or, you know, potentially could mm. be dangerous because of the condition. Oh, yeah, we'll mix the kids in with the adults. Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Mm. I, I mean, uh, 
you know, that's what uh, Rob Zombie showed us in uh, his Halloween movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If that's what you're bringing up as an example, Tim, you've already lost the plot. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's around here where the knife goes back into her back. Like, she starts bleeding again at one point. She has this flashback, I think, around here where we see what happened where her father did assault her as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And... It's it's the sort of thing where they didn't really have to go too far to imply that it may have been sexual. Like you know, it was this you know awful thing. Um, there is one shot that felt like it went a bit too far. It almost becomes I don't want to say laughable because that makes it sound like the subject is laughable, and it's not. But there's a there's a there's a shot where it's, it shows him. He sort of like puts her on the kitchen table, and she's kind of like tied down or or whatever. And he's going for his belt buckle. And that's kind of where you could have just cut away. And that's fine. Sure. But there's yeah. like one close-up of his head kind of like going back and forth as if it's like, mm. oh wait, this is meant to be him in mid-action. And I'm like, really? Mm. Yeah. You know, like, don't get me wrong. The idea of this shitty little movie trying to even have this subject and it's like plot is, it, it's not it's not a good idea. It's, it's, it's bad no. enough as it is. It, this is not the sort of movie you want to be tackling such a sensitive mm-hmm. subject. But that shot was just like, okay, all right. You tried to be edgy and as dark as you possibly could go. Yeah, yeah, it's very gross. Uh, it's, I, I mean, the movie is already is like, you know, dumb, whatever. Uh, but you know, it's mostly harmless. And then like, you kind of bring this up in the middle of it. It's like Jesus, like you really didn't need this, uh, especially because it's like, if you're gonna do something heavy like this, like maybe have a point to it like it feels so irrelevant to the plot like it is i, I don't think it's like needed at all no nah, the whole the whole point of it is, is it's why she stabs him and that's why the theme of the knife you know the, the recurring motif yeah. of the knife is important but it doesn't really yeah, they... matter that much in the grand scheme of thing. i mean maybe because yeah. eventually she ends up just waking up in the cult's room right mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah again wakes up like it was a nightmare whatever the previous scene was and she's mm. supposed to kill herself with the knife so maybe the implication is is that the way all these cult members kill themselves is mm. always like tied to something they've done in their past so maybe that's the relevancy okay. that the movie's trying to go for but it never actually mm. tells us that or explains no. that it just kind of <laughs> does this and we're like okay mm. whatever <laughs> God. Does that Great. mean the one who shot herself in the head in the videotape? Did she shoot someone when she was younger? Is that what the movie's telling <laughs> Probably. us? Um, uh, yeah, the whole thing's weird. Because she, she does actually meet... I, I don't know if it's before this or after this, but she does actually meet the cult leader. She gets to their their, their, their base and she talks... To, and again, I think she just wakes up there, bizarrely. But she mm-hmm. talks to the leader and the leader is so bad. Like, he, like his acting... <laughs> He's trying to, he's always talking in this kind of hushed, like, sort of serious talk. Again, very, he's trying to be a vampire. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. And it comes off as really stupid and cheesy. Um, but he essentially wants her to join. And the, the one good idea is that er, halfway through the movie, maybe earlier when Pinhead kind of, like, shows up and talks to her, he, he basically explains to her that this guy, this, this the leader of the cult, is essentially at war with Pinhead. And... <laughs> He's building kind of an army, and he's looking for the person who who's a, who's a deader who comes back, but also has the ability to solve the puzzle, to solve the box, and that she might be it. But he and he basically says, "You can't do this. You can't like let him win this war. He's trying to take over my world." And I do actually kind of like the idea of someone who's used the box, who then tries to find a way to fight back, and is kind of like successfully 
at least to some extent, waging a war against Pinhead and the Cenobites. That yeah. is actually kind of an interesting concept. I would say if, uh, you know, if you like that idea, uh, a much better um, way it's explored is in the um, Hellraiser comics. Uh, oh, okay. Which uh, essentially, basically, um, that becomes... Uh, there, I, I think I have, like, two, like... Um, I forget if it's one or two, like, digital omnibuses uh, that it comes with, but, like, um, it's actually, like, pretty good and, and uh, mostly revolves around uh, Kirsty like kind of forming like this group of like um pinhead survivors that basically end up like taking it to pinhead and trying going around and like finding boxes and destroying them and then um yeah i actually am a big fan of, of that uh comic series that sounds kind of neat uh yeah. <laughs> a little dreams warriors-esque one might say uh yeah some ways. totally <laughs> uh which is the best nightmare on elm street movie don't at me so, <laughs> I mean, the idea is good. The movie does nothing with it. Like the, mm-hmm. the Pinhead telling her about it is basically all we get because it doesn't really. Yeah. It never really feels like that for the rest of the movie, in all honesty. No. And as you said earlier, when she's given the box to solve, <laughs> she just throws it at the ground, and that's it. Yeah. And it opens, and everyone comes. Uh, what was mm. weird to me though so so at the end of the movie when she wakes back up there and she's expected to kill herself and she sort of mm. refuses to do it uh, and she throws the box Pinhead and the Cenobites appear she, it t- comes with two Cenobites the, the stitched up one that we saw previously and like another mm. one who has like black tape over his eyes and that's kind of it that's mm. that's, the, that's the Cenobite <laughs> but yeah. uh, <clears throat> basically Pinhead kills the main dude uh, with the chains, uh, rips him apart. <laughs> It'd almost be a fun death, but the CG when he rips apart is a bit, you know, yeah. Effy. I think, like, like when the chains and stuff were kind of going into him, like, I was like, all right, it's not bad. Uh, it, it's not great. It's not, like, the worst thing in the world. But then, and then like, once it kind of starts tugging, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. But then, yeah, the actual explosion <laughs> ripping apart is just, like, mm-hmm. just horrible CGI. <laughs> Yeah, and then kills all the all the followers in the cult. Uh, kills them all. Which, by the yeah. way, we even the- mentioned that the dead girl in the toilet from earlier, like, occasionally shows up to talk to uh, our main character yeah. and give her like some <laughs> weird cryptic advice. And it's just like mm-hmm. nonsense. It's just bullshit movie nonsense. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then it, it's funny when all these, uh, again, really bad CGI of just these chains going through all the cult members, and then the joke I made was like, uh w- when they go through uh i was like oh thank god uh we were all standing in, in a line because uh-huh. it's just like they're all just like perfectly like you know together for the chase to go through and yeah they're in two um, rows because because yeah it's, it's, it, it didn't kill the rest of them like the main guy where it's lots of chains mm-hmm. come and like pull them apart he has one mm-hmm. big thick chain that just goes through all of them in one it's, it's like uh it's like in a video game you have that special ability that will lands through everyone yeah yeah it's kind of like that yeah and also like again we're, we're like you know the rules are so um like up in the air because like you know according to the franchise isn't it usually like hey someone solves the box and then the centibites show up and then the person who solved the box you know is kind of taken away or whatever mm. like this it's just like all right well they're just killing everyone because <laughs> it's like hey we're here we don't like you well, like yeah. Well, one of the weird things. Well, I assume that the main guy solved the box, and that's mm-hmm. why he's like waging this war. Um, 
the the the, the mention that he like he's using the power of because because the main guy that this this main bad guy uh, the cult leader mm-hmm. he is like supposedly a descendant of the toy maker so he believes the box opens uh, belongs to it- him and. They, they they kind of imply that he's using power from Pinhead's world to do what he's doing, <laughs> but that's like that's the extent we get of it. We never hear anything else about how he's bringing people yeah. back from the dead. It's never explained or mentioned or brought up. And, and the idea of him being a descendant—do they reference that earlier? Because when they start talking about it at the end here, I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Like again. It's totally possible that I could have missed something because no, it's a boring I, I movie. <laughs> I don't think they mentioned it. Uh, this, okay. this, this felt out like of nowhere for me to... Because I, I reacted to it and went, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Real stupid stuff. I, um, and I, I was actually thinking that because Pinhead kind of, like, recruited Amy, because he, he's <laughs> like, hey, you can't do this. Like, you know, like, I, want to, you know, I need to win this war or, you know... Because mm-hmm. Pinhead's never felt necessarily like an evil character. His thing, at least originally, was always he's there to punish the people who like open the box, but he's right. not necessarily like, looking to to kill people and seek. And later movies obviously changed that mm-hmm. and and whatever. But I thought like because he'd kind of like not made a deal with her, but kind of tried mm-hmm. to recruit her that he wasn't going to like take her. That he wasn't going to kill her because she mm-hmm. essentially made this choice to like bring him out here and let him win the war. Uh, mm-hmm. But instead, he's like, "Well, now you open the box, and the rules are that I'm, I have to kill you now." So yeah. the movie ends with her choosing to commit suicide, so that neither Pinhead or the cult guy get her soul. And <laughs> then the movie ends. Like, I mean, we'll get to like a scene that it kind of ends with, but the final scene ends with like a really sad moment where it looks like a fo- it looks like a photograph of her and the editor, and like a memory <laughs> gone by with sad piano music playing before it rolls credits. <laughs> and I'm like, "Movie, what do you? In what world do you think we were emotionally attached to this character, <laughs> or 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 felt that like the movie was building up to her committing suicide to save her soul? Like none of this, yeah, <laughs> landed at all. It, it it's so funny. Like she." You know, they act like it's this big moment and she stabs herself in the stomach. And then mm-hmm. uh, when it happened, I, I turned to my wife and I was like, wow, it's just like <laughs> the same way she stabbed her father. And then my wife was just like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's wife speaks for all of us in this situation, I think. Uh, yeah. So remember how earlier I said that I, I suspected the editor was like secretly working for Pinhead or the cult mm. because he, the way he sort of like sent her there and then seemed so nonchalant about everything that was happening. Sure. Um, this scene at the end, like it ends with this photograph of him and her showing that he cares about her and uh, she means something to him. But the actual scene does nothing but reinforce the idea that he's evil and that he's sending people to join this thing. Because yeah. he basically gets a knock at the door in his office and his assistant's like, hey, you're two o'clock's here. And then walks this young, pretty woman. And you're like, wait, what sort of creepy place, place is this going with? And it turns out this is a new reporter who's inexperienced. He's like, hey, I just I just got a tape. And you may be interested in this, implying that he's about to send her down the same path. And maybe he's just a skeevy like editor who like wants to like keep throwing reporters at this until he gets a story. But it really played across to me. He's like, no, he's sending he's sending victims mm-hmm. to this. This is weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it might be more interesting if you know he felt like a character that was more present in the movie, or if you know you really gave a shit, or like if you thought it'd be something they're going to follow up on, but yeah, as is, it's just like, all right, who cares? <laughs> yeah, can, you, can you believe the last one and this one are directed by the same person? 
<laughs> they don't feel similar at all. You would you would think that since yeah. it's the same director that he maybe he wanted to like continue a theme or continue like an idea that he had in the last one. Especially like, since the last one actually tried to connect to Kirsty in the original movie right, in some yeah. way. This one just and he directs the next one as well. The video game one is the same guy. <laughs> he directed three of these in a row. Uh what a claim of fame. <laughs> I that. Yeah. Is he had a, a vision that <laughs> uh, He's mostly a cinematographer, apparently. Uh, okay. But if I look at his directing credits, this uh, Rick Bota, that's his name. He did these three Hellraisers were his first movies. Wow! All three of them. <laughs> and then he's done a lot of TV episodes. I'm just seeing if he's done. Any, he did a movie called Love Me. Mm. And that's okay. it. He's done a couple of TV <laughs> movies, and other than that, it's just been it's just been a uh, TV episodes. And yeah. even the TV shows, I don't even recognize the names of, to be honest. I know he did one oh. Supernatural. That's the only... And Vampire Diaries. Oh, okay. Those are the only ones I recognize the names <laughs> of. Every other one's just like... I don't know what Haven or Bitten or Between or Unforgettable are. Like, he's... Jeez. So generic. So generic. Right, well, uh, it sounds like a... You know, uh, uh, worksman. He's uh, <laughs> got his hand in a lot of different pies, I guess. Yeah, it does nothing. The movie does nothing to make give us a character, make us care about her. Mm. It does nothing yeah. to like have any kind of like through line to like make us intrigued by the journey she's on. Every time yeah. the script just wants to have another set piece moment, it just has mm. her wake up in a location and just <laughs> expects us to go with it. And it's just mm. annoying. It's it's one of the most annoying low budget movie tropes. I I hate <laughs> it so much, and it's like. I, I will happily watch a crappy slasher movie or something like that that is really bad mm. way more than this because this infuriates me this just waking up in a new location and and this this movie does it like five or six times it's really egregious so yeah I, I think it's, it's bad <laughs> I mean technically like the last couple might be worse overall because mm. they're more nonsensical but this one I might dislike more just because it's like like it, it's so boring. Like, yeah, yeah, it's so boring. So I may actually hate it more, even though I don't know if objectively it's actually worse than the last couple. But yeah, I mean, at least for me, so far the series is like a pretty straight, like you know, like um, through line of descending quality. Like you know, first one's really great. Uh, you know, uh, I think second one's pretty good. Uh, third one um it is fun and then like fourth one is like all right uh yeah it's bad but you know maybe it's a few interesting things here or there maybe it's kind of funny to laugh at and then like fifth one's like all right now it's starting to get bad and then sixth one's like now it's even worse even worse like the, yeah. the only thing i disagree with that is i think i like three more than two but that's oh, yeah that's that, that, yeah those are like uh a little interchangeable uh depending on uh yeah your style but uh, I, I I think they're both good. The you know first three I I would be a pretty staunch defender for, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like everything after that is just like a very noticeable dips in quality. Yep, it's uh, it, it will wows me as well. You know when we talk about all these big franchises, we talk about Friday and we talk about you know Nightmare and Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like most of these franchises, most of their entries were in the eighties, and then it slowed down. You know, you only get one or two in the nineties, yeah. maybe one in the two thousands. Like it really slowed down, unfortunately, <laughs> for some of them. Hellraiser's a weird one where I mean, it did start a little bit later in the eighties, but 
Most of mm. its entries are from the 2000s. They're actually <laughs> relatively new, which is... They just kept mm. pumping these things out for some reason. Mm. Uh, it's, it's weird. This is the third one from the 2000s, and there's at least a few more, so... Yeah. Uh, it's really, really odd. But uh, I guess we're at the point where we're going to rate the moot. Tim, please put us out of our misery. What are you, what are you giving it? Uh, I mean... <laughs> Billy can't really go higher than a. Mm, I'm waffling between like a two, two point five. Um, maybe I'll be extremely super generous and give it a two point five, just because, like a, a few of the bad scenes were at least like kind of like made me chuckle and mm-hmm. like, you know, like the dumb, the you know pinhead CGI chain stuff at the end. Uh, that is very dumb, but. At least if the movie was full of stuff like that, I think it would be, like, a fun, cheesy movie to watch, you know? Like, not good by any means, but at least it'd be more interesting and entertaining uh, versus this, which is just a slog. Um, Maybe the the most credit you can give it is, like, yeah, a few dumb scenes like that that are kind of cheesy fun, and then maybe an idea here or two that, okay, that could spark something actually good, but obviously, (laughs) you know, no one in here is pulling it off, but... uh, yeah, 2.5. I'm going to have to go with a straight two. That's, uh... All I can muster. <laughs> I, it, it's just it's really bad. I, 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 I'm only not going lower just because, yeah, there's examples of things that are even worse, but... Yeah. Uh, th- th- this franchise, like, I, th- I think when we get to the end of this, because I, I said this as I was watching this movie in particular, that so, obviously there's some weak like sequels to like you know so some people who are not as into horror or the you know they've only touched sort of the more mainstream stuff they'll talk about you know how bad the franchises are that go on for like you know 10 mm-hmm. entries and like you know they'll really like hate some of the sequels to things and you know you know talk about friday the 13th like people will really pick <laughs> on a couple of those movies um and some of the which i really disagree with because I, I love eight for example and everyone lo- loves to tear apart manhattan uh yeah. but uh, i dig that movie a lot but I'll, I'll say this right now. I think Friday the 13th Part 5, which is one that typically most people don't like, is mm-hmm. way better than almost every one of these Hellraiser sequels uh, <laughs> since 4. And, yeah. like, it's, it's just so funny to me that the, the the average quality of these Hellraiser movies, by the time we get done with this, mm-hmm. like, the average score, if, if we took our ratings for all the franchise, mm-hmm. I, I'm positive it would be a lower average than any of the other big front i mean maybe leprechaun because yeah. that's shit but <laughs> i mean i i think the like the big difference is that you know with stuff like you know friday the 13th or halloween or whatever even the later examples that are bad they still feel like actual movies like again mm. these just feel like such you know afterthought like obviously you know um totally different scripts that you know just you know, uh, hammer the pinhead stuff in. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you know you're doing like an oral history of it. If it if it is some type of rights things where they don't they just don't want to lose the rights. So every couple of years they have to shovel out this garbage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I maybe this is a bold statement, but I, I would I would say that Halloween Resurrection is a better movie <laughs> than the last four Hellraisers we've done. Uh, I I mean, yeah, given the the choice, uh. Like, maybe Hellraiser 4, like, I have, like, some weird nostalgia and, and cheesy love for that. Like, it, not a good movie by any stretch, but, uh, I mean, 5, 6, and 7, 
you put that up against Halloween Resurrection. I, I'm gonna choose Resurrection <laughs> for yeah, sure. I'm, I'm gonna watch Buster Rhymes uh, fly kick Michael Myers in yeah. the face, and it's stupid <laughs> right. and it's bad. And there's a lot of things I hear about that movie. Mm. There's a lot of things I hear about Halloween Five, um, mm. even Halloween Six. Like, there's I mean, that's a mess of a movie, but there's at least some mm. interesting curiosities and in, like you know how it ended right. up that way. And there's you know like ah oh, look, uh, young Paul Rudd, blah blah. Um, yeah, yeah. That that's the other thing too. Like with a lot of these. Um, you know, franchise movies, I, I do think even though the ones that are really bad, uh, like, for example, like Nightmare, you know, my favorite franchise, the, uh, you know, six one Freddy's dead is horrible. Like, I really hate that movie, but mm-hmm. at least it's bad in an interesting way. Like there's, you know, like there's stuff you kind of want to learn, like behind the scenes, like, why did they go with this or whatever? Like, you know, who, why would they whose idea was it was this or whatever? Why are they shoveling this backstory? in? But like. Uh, again, these Hellraiser movies, they're not bad in an interesting way. They're just like, you can tell like why they're doing these decisions they're doing. It's like, oh yeah, they're just making cheap, you know, shitty movies just that are just banking on a name. Like, you know, that there's nothing actually interesting about it. I, I, maybe a big part of this is just that, you know, these movies we're talking about from these other franchises are all theatrical releases they're all movies that they still yeah. believe can make money at the box office so they there's mm-hmm. a level of effort put in even in the really bad ones that yeah. isn't here in these these directed video hellraiser sequels and it's not that you can't have a good directed video movie because you can exactly but for exactly. the most part it's just quick dirty no creativity mm-hmm. just to pump out a movie that's got a name on it and this yeah. is what we get so yeah like I, I always like uh to me that there's like a difference between like uh like usually if i'm talking about like a uh like a movie that's good like i'll usually just say like you know an independent movie or like mm. low budget movie or something like if, I, if i'm talking about like a movie like this that's just like a you know there's like no effort or thought behind it and it's just kind of put out to, to put out like that to me is when i'll like let's say like direct to video because it is kind of like a dirty word you know and it, mm-hmm. it direct to video like it doesn't necessarily you know, it doesn't mean something necessarily bad, but, uh, yeah, I always like think of that more when I'm thinking of like these kind of movies versus just like a, you know, independent low budget movie that just didn't get a theatrical release, you know? Yeah. It's come to mean that it really has. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's, that's Hellraiser Dead. <laughs> uh, if you made it this far into the review, please put the word, um, I don't know. Uh, Knife, Chains, Budapest. uh, Subway. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing interesting to, like, refer to. Uh, There was a scene in the toilet seat. So, toilet. Put the word toilet. It's also (laughs) very apt for the quality of this movie. Put the word toilet in the comments if you made it this far. Uh, Tim, you're going to do your pose for the thumbnail, so here we go. Yeah. Three, two, one, pose. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, dear. All right, so this has been Screams After Reddit. This has been our discussion of Hellraiser Deader. Um, I can only dread uh, the later <laughs> entries because, I mean, we're, we're, we're almost at the point where we're going to lose Doug Bra- Bradley as Pinhead, so we're actually going to have a different actor in that role after the next couple. So, uh, I mean, I, I like Doug Bradley, but... I mean, I feel like he's been phoning it in the last couple of movies. Can you blame him? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Um, 
so but the, the i mean maybe it's like you know the makeup or whatever or you know the director but when he appears in these later movies he doesn't have like the gravitas he did like in the you know earlier ones mm. i can't argue with that uh, but yeah, so let us know what you thought of the movie, if you've seen it, <laughs> in the comments. Uh, like and subscribe, super important, as is patreon.com slash TV, as we mentioned earlier. Go and have a look at all that stuff. You can catch us on Twitter at Screams Midnight uh, for updates and shenanigans and, and whatever else. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us. Keep watching scary movies, and we will see you next time. <laughs>